0: Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill, got Michael and Anna here with us. And remember, our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ, helping health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance visit healthiq.com slash ba to see if you qualify now mike today is monday that means there's a new baseball america top 25 powered by louisville slugger uh number one remains the same it is florida number two remains the same it is oregon state there are a few changes this week however
2: yeah we have a couple of big movers um Notably, if, if you take a look at the top 10, we have Stanford up to number four. Arkansas took a little bit of a dip. Not too much of a dip, just a little bit. Uh, UNC is out of the top 10 after another rough week. That's something that we'll address shortly on this podcast. Got a lot of comments about that on Twitter. Um, we also bumped Cal State Fullerton from the rankings. They're 1-6. Not a great start for the Titans. They've played a tough schedule up to this point, very tough but still one and six is not a great look. And the one win that they do have at this point, it was a 15 inning win. So um, those were the the significant changes. We have Auburn coming in as well on the back end. They're off to an 8-0 start. Uh, the Tanner Burns show has been very good for them so far. Um, they're an exciting team and a team that we had talked about a little bit for the top 25, had some questions, but here they are, they're number 25, they're in. We're excited, they're excited, we're all excited. Um, So, but otherwise, this poll, uh, much like the first week, you know, we're a little conservative the first couple of weeks, just because you know it's a it's a small sample size. We're still kind of feeling things out, seeing who the best twenty five teams are. Things are going to ramp up a little bit, and performance is going to be emphasized even more in these rankings as we get into some of these rivalry matchups and conference play coming up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, maybe it wasn't a super eventful week uh, around the in, in terms of, of upsets or anything like that you know last week we, we had the big you know Notre Dame over LSU mm-hmm. um, you know I felt like maybe it was just because it was opening weekend and it, it was also fresh that there were there were some bigger results um, you know but we do want to talk real quick here about uh, Stanford mm-hmm. you know who uh, you know we came into the year ranking the cardinal ninth. Uh, they moved up one spot after that opening weekend uh, sweep of Fullerton, and, and now they they jump up all the way to four. And, you know, they're looking really good. They're 8-0. They're pitching really well. They have series wins against Fullerton and Rice. Um, and it, it's been a very impressive start here for the Cardinal. Uh, Dave Esker's team is, is looking really, tr- stuff, really tough on the mound. But, Mike, <laughs> I mean, I've been impressed – Offensively as well with what the Cardinal have done. Yeah, they look really stuffed on the mound, Teddy. Oh. <laughs> they honestly do look stuffed. You know, I mean, they—they they have their pitching staff is overflowing with with stuffing. I guess is. How I'm gonna save that?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean they're they're firing on all, all cylinders right now. I mean, obviously, you know, Stanford, it's gonna be you're gonna look at the pitching staff first and foremost, and for, and for good reason, especially with Tristan Beck back in healthy this year. Say Beck back multiple times. That's that's tough to say. That is tough to say. But in any event, they're pitching really well. And they are holding their own offensively, as you said. Uh, Brandon Wolfe is off to a really good start for them. He's batting four sixty-two up to this point, has six RBIs. Nico Horner, as we expected, has gotten off to a really good start. And Tim Tawa, someone that they had high expectations for, um, a guy out of Oregon, he's hitting really well so far, too. Um, you look at them, I mean, we, we ranked them where we did in the preseason, in part just because we did have some questions. We weren't sure how Tristan Beck was going to look coming off of that injury. We also, I mean, the, the fact that there's a new head coach at Stanford is significant. and It's not at all a knock on, on Dave Esker. It's just when you have the same coach for as long as they did and someone with as legendary a, a stature as Mark Marquez, you're going to have some questions of, you know, how is this team going to handle this transition And clearly so far, they've handled it remarkably well. They've been really good. They're on a tear. They're playing really as good as anyone in the country, if not the hottest team in the country right now, based on what they've done so far. So they're a scary club. And if they keep hitting the way they are, and if, you know, with the arms that they have, I mean, they look at this point like very much an Omaha team, clearly at number four in our rankings. We believe that at this point.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the thing about Stanford is it's not going to let up. In terms of scheduling here you know they got michigan coming in this weekend for four uh the wolverines kind of had a a rough start to their west coast swing down at the tony Gwynn classic but you know that's still a really talented team and then they go to texas for four and then it's into pac-12 play so you know the the fact that they've started this way against the schedule is very encouraging and especially when you consider uh what's still to come here for stanford uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to keep it going. And, and, you know, right now there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't.
2: Right. No, I, I think they're in really good shape at this point. And, you know, the the Pac-12 this year, I mean, it's, I mean, the Pac-12 is, is always, I mean, being a Power 5 conference is always strong. But especially this year, given how these teams have started off, Oregon State is still on a tear from last year, um, losing Nick Madrigal uh, to a hand injury. This week might be out for what four to six weeks at this point. Yeah, is they're going to find
1: out. Um, you know, later today he's going to be with the team doctor, and, and we'll see. But it, there is a potential that they'll be without him for for a month or so.
2: Right. Even without him, they're they're a, a scary club. You have him, you have them, you have Stanford, you have UCLA. They move up in our rankings a, a spot. They've gotten off to a strong start so far this season, and uh, you know you look at Washington. Joe Demir's is throwing a perfect game this weekend. Um, you know there, there's a lot of intrigue and, and interest there uh, on the west coast and it's going to be a fun conference to follow
1: yeah i mean i was asked on some podcast or radio hit i don't remember where now sorry to uh, mr. Uh, mr popular over here with all his whoever, radio hits and podcasts huh? sorry to whoever <laughs> asked me um i think it was josh Nilsson uh with his on his white Sox pod um asked if i if i thought you know the the pac 12 was one horse race or, or a two horse race and uh, you know Stanford is very much making this a two-horse race this year, and
2: mm-hmm. um, two-horse town. <laughs>
1: you know, and, and UCLA you mentioned is off to a fine start. The the level of competition is going to ramp up them for uh, for them here coming soon. Uh, but you know Baylor was a, a, a nice win after uh, you know they started with Portland. Um, so I the the pack the top of the Pac-12 is looking good, and you know I I don't want to. You know, Oregon State last year went what twenty-seven and three in conference play, and yes, Oregon State was an incredible team last year. But part of that I feel like was because they were so far ahead of the rest of the Pac-12. That's why they were able to put that gaudy record together in part. And this year, I think that Oregon State can be just as good of a team, but their Pac-12 record might be a little bit, um, you know more normal uh they might only win say 24 games in in conference play or something uh but i I think that's a reflection that the the pac-12 is continuing to get stronger from uh you know kind of an ebb uh over the last few years and you know obviously 2016 was kind of a, a a low point for the conference but i i think that the the league is better this year stanford is better this year um, you know, UCLA looks to be better, and, and Oregon State continues to chug right along with a five and zero week uh, out in Arizona to wrap up their their time in Surprise.
2: And I and I still like California as a as a sleeper in that league as well. And um, just a quick kudos to Jared Horn for for what he's done so far this season, given what he dealt with in the in the off season. He's gotten off to a very good start for them, and their team certainly had plenty of talent. Tanner Dotson, a guy who drew rave reviews this summer. So they're a team to watch as well, but yes, at the, at the top of, I would agree with you that the top of the Pac-12 beyond Oregon State certainly looks stronger and deeper than it did a year ago, and if, if Oregon State repeats that 27-3 and three record, I'll, it, I'll eat my hat, I, I don't think, I mean, that's <laughs> not, I mean, you heard it here first, I'll, I'll do a Facebook Live, I'll just, I'll just eat my hat.
1: I don't know how baseballism would feel about that, you're wearing a baseballism I'll eat
2: a, hat. I'll, right eat a diff, I'll eat a different hat, <laughs> I, I don't have to eat this one, I'll eat a hat that I'm not as attached to. But because this is a great hat, um, but uh, <laughs> not that anyone can see it right now. But in any event, let's let's move off of this and talk more. Yeah, about so,
1: our you know, when we also when we look a little further into the, the top 25 here, um, you know, I mentioned that that LSU kind of had that, that upset mm-hmm. uh, or was upset last week by Notre Dame this week. Uh, they got a chance to kind of redeem themselves. They played Texas. And uh, they, they did a good job at, at bouncing back, I felt like. You know, they had two pretty resounding wins to start the series, to win to win the series. Uh, you know, Texas really got the better of them on Sunday, but I thought that was an important bounce back for the Tigers just to, you know, to get Zach Hess going on yeah. Friday night. That was big for them. And, you know, offensively, they hadn't really gotten going against Notre Dame much either. And, uh, you know, they were missing Zach Watson. He's had an oblique tweak and... Um, Josh Smith is going to be out for a little bit with a stress reaction in his back and those are two pretty key pieces to that offense but you know the Tigers got it going this week against a Texas team that really can pitch.
2: Oh yeah no question I mean you look at Texas and their arms and to see the the kind of offensive output that LSC put up I know they're playing at home I know they're in Baton Rouge but still uh, to put up double digit runs in those first two games against Texas's arms that's that's really an impressive feat and Uh, There's no question to me that this was an emphatic statement from LSU and bouncing back from its opening weekend. I I think there's no question that they probably had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, if not a a gigantic boulder on their shoulders (laughs) after that opening weekend, given how fans and media react in in LSU, around LSU. They had
1: not lost an opening weekend series since 1999. I mean... They don't know what to do with that.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a big deal. I mean it's it certainly uh, it stood out when that happened. So uh, for them to bounce back, I, I think uh, I think this was an important weekend for them, just in terms of their their psyche, I guess so to speak, because they did have a lot of turnover coming into this year, and, and that was really kind of a, a shocking opening weekend in some ways. So. Yeah, no, I think it was a big statement for them, and uh, this is this is more like the team that we expected to see than uh, what we saw opening weekend against Notre Dame.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I I think it's important for Texas not to go too crazy on this one. You know, when you when you look at the Longhorns, they uh, they've got a lot of pitching, and Nolan Canham's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. He wasn't very good at the box; it happens. Um, You know, I think that Texas, you know, now they got to. I think winning on Sunday, and winning the way they won on Sunday, 11-1, to 1, they really jumped out and, and, and rebounded very well from uh, you know two tough losses, and I, I think they have to, to take that and, and move forward, just kind of forget what happened this weekend. I know they were looking to make a statement this weekend. Um, they'll have that opportunity later. I mean, Stanford's coming to Austin in two weeks, and the Big 12 is going to provide them plenty of opportunities to do that and to show how good of a team they can be. Um, you know for LSU I think there's still questions I think it was an important statement however um, you know they it seemed like they kind of ran out of pitching a little bit on Sunday and you know when you look at it they're going to get healthier they're they're missing a few guys on the mound I think that you know that when we move forward at, and look at LSU going forward I, I think it's still a, a very impressive team.
2: Yeah and they, and they still have a couple of weeks before uh, Southeastern Conference play begins so Um, get a little healthier in that time for their sake hopefully but and and get some of these younger
1: pitchers some more experience right
2: right so LSU I mean I I don't worry that much about them given what they've done and just that program and the job that Paul Maneri does there so um, you know to see what they did this weekend the way they bounced back I wasn't terribly surprised I was more surprised about what happened opening weekend.
1: Also, in the SEC West, we know it's going to be pretty rugged this year. Um, Ole Miss moved up from 16 to 12. Um, you know They made a, a pretty nice jump. They're 7-0. Their offense has been rolling. They've been rolling. Uh, rollison has been rolling. He has been. The Rebels are rolling. Um, and then Auburn. Uh-huh. We're moving Auburn into the 25 this week. They're 8-0. And Alabama is 7-0 for the first time since I think it's 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Bohannon really doing a, a good job out of the gate. Uh, for the Crimson Tide, but Auburn, eight and zero for the—that's their best start since 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the competition has not been elite. Uh, but Bryant, who they swept this weekend, is a really good team. That's a the team that's the favorite in the Northeast Conference. I think that's going to be a pretty solid regional team at the end of the year. Um, and, and the bottom line is Auburn's winning. You know, they, I mean, eight and zero is eight and zero, and. There are only four teams in the country that are 8-0 right now, and regardless of competition, I I think what Auburn has done, the talent they have, you mentioned Tanner Burns, obviously Casey Mize and Davis Daniel. It's a really good rotation, and they've, they've played like it so far.
2: Yeah, no question. I mean, it's the rotation to me that really stands out about them. I, I wouldn't want to face them. I mean, I wouldn't want to face any of these guys. Um, I'm not a good hitter. I'm, I'm a slappy DH type, which is not the kind of player that gets drafted <laughs> or scouted. Profile. It's a bad profile. But in any event, uh, you know, Tanner Burns, I have his numbers right here. Uh, just He's off to a phenomenal phenomenal start. That's a tough word. Uh, phenomenal start uh, to this season. He has a 0.75 ERA, 14 strikeouts six hits in 12 innings just two walks he's uh that'll get the job done so and then you have casey mize in that rotation as well someone who drew a lot of buzz this summer and and someone who has excellent stuff in his own right so it's uh it's a scary group and they're a, they're a talented team and it looks like at this point it's all uh, all the pieces are coming together early on so we'll see if they can keep it up as the schedule and the intensity ramps up a little bit Absolutely. Um,
1: You know, this on Tuesday, they have a a pretty high profile game against South Alabama. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're going out to Mobile, so they'll they'll get on the road for the first time this season. And, um, you know, I know it's midweek baseball, but that's going to be a fun matchup. And South Al, a week ago, uh, played a really fun game against Southern Miss uh, in another top 25 midweek game. And, you know, they came out with a 10 9 victory in that. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how Auburn goes and, and, and handles the environment in Mobile. I know they're going to be fired up to, to see the Tigers come to town.
2: Oh, yeah, no, uh, South Owl's off to a solid start and, you know, certainly a team that, that people shouldn't sleep on and really the favorite in this matchup given where they're ranked and, you know, given the fact that they're, they're hosting. So it's certainly one that we'll be paying attention to this week, no doubt. Absolutely. And now a word from our sponsor, Health
1: IQ. Would you like to save money for being active and physically fit? Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com ba or call 1-800-549-1664 to talk to a Health IQ agent. Mention the promo code BA for savings. Now, Mike, um, we kind of ran through some of the the bigger movers in the top twenty-five. Um, we don't have a great title for this segment yet. That's something we're gonna we're gonna work on here. But uh, relative, we're, we're just gonna call this panic. Do, I need, time. do I need to open the and app? We we, we might. Let's, I don't know. That's uh, that's up to you. Let's, we're, we're, I'm opening the app. Let, um. We're we're, <laughs> we're getting to North Carolina and Cal State Fullerton, two teams that um, we really like coming to the season. And is it time? for that. Is it time for you to press the panic button? That's, that's what we're gonna talk about here. Um, so,
0: UNC.
2: Sorry, I haven't pressed this button in a really long time. If you remember our podcast from last year, uh, if you're a first time listener, you're probably wondering what's going on. Um, this is the panic button. Um, it, it's something I incorporated late last year um, as, as the tournament time approached and we were monitor- monitoring you know teams' chances to get into the tournament a little closer. Um, we're gonna bring it out a little bit early this year and, and see if we need to press it on a couple of these teams.
1: Yeah, so we got UNC. They went one and four last week.
2: Which isn't good. It's not good. It's not great, Bob.
1: They uh, they lost their series to East Carolina. Yes. Uh, they are now 0-3 at home for not, the first uh, time since 1962. Also not great, Bob. So they're three and five. And this is a team that came into the year ranked number six. Uh, we really like the pitching staff there. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I know that they they're obviously lost three top 40 or top 50 picks last year in in Logan Wormuth, Brian Miller, and J.B. Bukowskis, but there was a pretty solid returning group uh, of hitters in addition to a a really nice young pitching mix uh, led by Gianluca Dulatri and and, and Tyler Baum. Um, So far, that hasn't really panned out. They they went two and one last week at South Florida. They lost to Shane McClanahan. Uh, No shame in that. And, you know, it felt like they were in an okay spot coming out of opening weekend, but it just has not worked out that way this week.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you, you look at you look at their numbers so far, and, you know, the thing that is kind of alarming is offensively, other than Michael Bush and, and Kyle Dattris, two players who I expected to take step forward this year, um, you look at what they've done offensively, and it's not much. Um, they've They've really struggled with the bats up to this point, and that was kind of, for me, one of their bigger question marks. I, I believed in the pitching staff, and they, they've had some struggles. Gianluca Delatry, as you mentioned, I mean, he, he's given up 17 hits in nine innings. He's been hittable so far this year, which isn't what you want to see. Tyler Baum's been good for the most part. They haven't had Bergner as their Sunday starter, which is um, something that, you know, they had hoped to have or something that we had projected coming into this year, so be interesting to see, you know, what happens on Sundays going forward, but Um, For me, I mean, looking at the offense, you need some of these guys, uh, especially some of these upperclassmen, um, you know, guys like Zach Kahagan, guys like Brandon Riley, to get into a groove offensively for this team to be able to compete, especially in the ACC. It can't just be all pitching. They have to be able to hit a little bit, too. I'm not ready to hit the panic button just yet on on them because I do believe in the talent there, and I think a lot of it is just getting off to a tough start. I I think, um, you know, we try not to be too reactionary uh, based on these these first couple of weekends of the season, we put a lot of work into our top 25, make a lot of calls, do a lot of research, we're talking with scouts, we're talking with a lot of people about these teams and and truly trying to find the best 25 teams in the country, and this is a team, as you said, we thought very highly of coming into the season, we had them at number six for a reason, and while they're off to a rough start, while it's not the record we had expected to see, I don't, I'm not ready to change the perception we have of this team and, and totally just abandon ship after, after two weeks. I think it's a team that still has talent, still has ability, and I'm not ready to push the button on them yet. Um, granted, if they come out this week and have a similar week, if they struggle, um, they, they have High Point uh, coming to town and then they have Liberty this weekend against uh, former assistant coach Scott Jackson, their recruiting coordinator, he's coming to town uh, this weekend, if they struggle this weekend, then I think very likely we'll see UNC out of the 25 or at the very least at the bottom of it. But that's sort of my take on UNC right now.
1: If they win one game again this week, they're gone.
2: Um, yeah, I'll say that right now. You
1: know, I was, I was there at the Bosch yesterday for, uh, for the finale and, um, you know, it started off. Okay. Uh, for, for UNC, you know, it was scoreless through three. Rodney Hutchinson and, and Chris Holbo were kind of matching zeros. Um, you know, neither offense had a whole lot going. And then East Carolina got to Hutchinson, and you know they scored a couple runs. Brett Daniels comes out of the bullpen, kind of puts out the fire for a little bit, but he'd already thrown two innings on I believe on Friday night. I believe it was two innings. You know, so I don't know how much length he had left in him, and he didn't last like he lasted about an inning and a third, I think it was. And from there, there was really nothing. In that unc bullpen you know they tried a lot of arms and they had no answer for for ecu's offense and um it was just a, a an abysmal day all around for north carolina there were hokey plays that um you know you, you just don't see on a baseball field that you could tell it wasn't
2: really their day uh but they do was, need- was that a knock on virginia tech Hokey place. That was, I was, he confused me for a second. <laughs> that was, that was not, not a knock That's out. not very polite. That was not a knock on the folks at Blacksburg. <clears throat> um,
1: but, you know, they're going to have to find some more. You know, it, it feels crazy to say that they need more options in the bullpen when, you know, you have J- Josh Hyatt at the back end and you know, Brett Daniels. And as long as Bergner's pitching in the bullpen, you know, those are three premium arms. They're going to need to find a little more, uh, you know, whether that means they find a a more reliable Sunday starter whether that means that a couple other arms step up in the bullpen I don't know but um, they're going to need a little more and obviously they need to hit better Um, you know you mentioned Bush and Dattres are the only two that are hitting at this point really
2: Ashton McGee needs to hit better than he is too. Ashton
1: McGee's two for 20 Brandon Riley's three for 29 I mean he has drawn nine walks at least but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to need to improve, and you know, they have this week to improve it, yeah. and then they play Louisville to start ACC play. So this has to get right in a hurry, otherwise um, you know, North Carolina is going to really find themselves in a bad spot as conference play begins.
2: On, on the flip side to this as well, you have to give some credit to ECU. Um, they're a good team. They're a team that we had discussed for the top 25, coming into this year, and and someone certainly that will continue to monitor as the season goes on. They were our our preseason number six last year, um, the very spot where UNC resides. I don't know if that spot is just cursed or or, or what in our top 25. We might have to look look into that. We might have to just vacate number six and just go from five to seven. I I don't know, because uh, no one's going to want to be ranked number six. But in any event, um, they're a good team for a, a lot of... A lot of the reasons why we liked them last year are still reasons why I like them this year, and the the great freshman class that they brought in last year—they're all a year older. Spencer Brickhouse has been playing like a brickhouse up to this point. He's got three homers on the year, ten RBI. Uh, Bryant Packard is a is another big bat for them. Duane Williams-Sutton, he's gotten off to a little bit of a tough start offensively, but he's a guy with a lot of tools. And then you look at the way they've pitched, that's what really stands out to me is up to this point, they've pitched to a 1.86 team ERA. Trey Benton has been lights out for them, and and he's a guy who has that kind of stuff. He has Friday ace kind of stuff. And uh, behind him, I mean, Jake Agnos, he's been a little shaky, but he's a guy that I like um, in terms of his tool set on the mound and their bullpen. I mean, I'm just looking at their bullpen stats to this point And I mean, they have, they have here six or seven guys who have pitched multiple innings and have yet to give up a run. So that's, uh, obviously that's probably not sustainable going forward, but it's still, that's, that's the kind of bullpen depth and the kind of showing you want to see from your bullpen that obviously UNC didn't display this weekend out of the pen. So ECU is off to a very good start. They did certainly earned some consideration for the top 25 and they're one of probably in the the handful of next few teams Then, given what they do going forward
1: yeah i mean i i am really impressed with the the rotation of benton agnos and holba i think that can stack up really well uh for for ecu all season long and i think that lineup has depth you know Duanyo was hitting like seventh yesterday and um it was understandable you know like uh and if that if that's where you're hitting a player with tools like that, um, you know you you have you're in a pretty good spot offensively. Turner Brown at the top of that lineup, he really can make things go. He's he's a really fast, speedy player that that gets on base. Then for for guys like Packard and, and Brickhouse, and um, you know I so I, I like the depth of their lineup. I like the rotation. Um, you know we obviously believed a lot in the the coaching staff last year. And, you know, as bad as last year was at ECU, they still made the championship game in the American tournament. You know, and I I really felt like that was a testament to that team and to Cliff Godwin and his staff. And, um, you know, so we're going to be keeping a close eye on them going forward this weekend. They've got the LeClaire Classic. Um, You know, that'll be an exciting tournament, as it always is. They got Missouri State, St. Joe's, and Pepperdine coming in for that. And, um, you know, I it was a big weekend for ECU, and it was big. Um, you know, just in general, I think for college baseball uh, in in North Carolina, they got 12,000 fans to show up uh, for the the three games o- over the course of the three games, and they're really electric atmospheres. Mm. Um, from my understanding, uh, on Friday and Saturday in, in Greenville, and then in Durham, and then yesterday, you know, Sunday is always a tough day anyway. The weather wasn't great either, and uh, the game did not match the games that they produced the, the two before, but um, East Carolina comes out with a, a very nice series win. And um, I, we have yet to determine what the opposite of the panic button is, um, but we're going to work on that and, and retroactively we'll, we'll just give ECU whatever, we, whatever sound effect we land on.
2: Yeah, it, it could just be me singing or it, or, you know, or something. It could it just it's yeah, a work in progress. Or just like a whistle or we'll, it's we'll it's about it getting better yeah. throughout the season. Maybe, maybe like know, a kazoo or like I don't know. We don't
1: want this podcast to be the best it's going to be on February twenty sixth. We want to be peaking more towards Memorial Day.
2: Yeah, we're still ironing out the kinks at this point, but it'll we'll hit our groove at, at some point. Um,
1: so the, but there's another team that we have to address here and <gasps> with the panic button. Um okay. I'll I'll get it ready. Cal State Fullerton is one and six.
2: That it that is worth just that record alone is worth pressing the button for.
1: I the the Titans have played a very difficult schedule to this point. Like, let's let's adre- like acknowledge that immediately up front.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know they been... they
1: played at Stanford. They played Houston. Those are two really tough teams. Um, but at some point you got to win games and. You know their their one win was a two to one win in fifteen innings on Friday night. Uh, they were winning one to nothing going into the ninth, and Brett Kavanagh, their you know very reliable closer, um, you know gave up a, a run, and um, you know the Titans were able to pull it out. But they haven't been pitching particularly well. Um, I think it's they've given up thirty eight runs this season already, uh, and then offensively, of course, Fullerton is is still kind of finding its form after losing some some key pieces last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, looking at them, I mean, Colton Eastman, he had a rough opening start, but he, he rebounded, He's he pitched better in his second start. But behind him, they haven't found really any any consistency yet. You know, Andrew Cazada was a guy that they brought in, a Juco guy that they believed in a lot in terms of stuff, someone who could slide into that Saturday role. You know, so far, he's given up 10 runs in 10 innings. Um, not a great start. They haven't found a, a strong Sunday option yet either. Um it's really surprising because that's this is a team that you know really uh we expected to ride the pitching staff you know offensively I mean really with Cal State Fullerton over the last few years really anything you get offensively is kind of a bonus it's they're really you know their game is predicated a lot more on pitching and defense as is the case for a lot of West Coast teams um and and, you know they've actually I mean hit well they haven't hit Great, but <laughs> they can, have they, some they have scored some runs. Uh, you know, Ruben Gardina is a guy that they're really depending on offensively. Has been has been solid so far, um, but it, it is the, the pitching that is is raising the red flags at this point and is a reason why I just I just press the button again. Uh, I'll press it again because um, I enjoy I enjoy pressing the button. It's it's not it's not an expression of how panicked I am. It's it's more just me enjoying pressing it um but yeah they need to straighten things out in a hurry especially on the mound um starting one and six is is never good uh, clearly and um you know things aren't going to get any easier for them they do schedule tough and the, and the big west is a, is a tough conference it's, it's well
1: you know honestly I'm ready to press the panic button on the big west as a whole <laughs> they're 27 and 34 as a conference right now and um you know we talk a lot of times uh about big west teams rpis and um, how how they struggle in terms of that, how it can hold them back in terms of hosting and national seeds. Like Long Beach State was a team last year, you know, I very strongly felt like they were one of the eight best teams in the country, but they never really had a shot at being a national seed last year because, um, you know, their RPI just wasn't there. Fullerton, uh, you know, their, their RPI wasn't great. And Cal Poly, you um, you know, I mean, I, get, I guess the overall record was the larger concern there, but you know, they didn't have an RPI last year, and it's an issue, and this is part of the reason why. Uh, I mean, there are more structural reasons of going at place here, but, you know, as a conference, you have to win games early so that then, you know, you're, everyone has a Improves their RPI, has a better record, and then it kind of all feeds off each other. It Gives you kind of a
2: higher floor. Yeah, going and, into and, it. and
1: it just it means that that you're, you're you're feeding off each other's early season success. Well, they haven't had that success yet, and there's still time to make it up. You know, again, we're in week two. The conference as a whole has not started well. The teams that we thought would be really good have especially not started well in terms of records. Beach is two and five. Fullerton's one and six. Cal Poly has been okay. Santa Barbara has not been good. Um, So, you know, in a few months when we're talking about RPIs, especially in the big West um, and we're talking about how they're not looking exceptional, this is going to be part of the reason why. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, these, these early weekend games, you know, they, they really matter. And, um, you know, that, Fullerton and Long Beach are doing what they what we want to see teams do. They're scheduling really, really tough. But if you don't win those games, um, you know it, it it does help. Just taking the field against Stanford, against TCU, uh, you know it helps. But it's uh, it's definitely not where you want to be if you're if you're Long Beach and Fullerton, two super regional teams from a year ago. Obviously, Fullerton went to Omaha too. But you know those two teams have a total of three wins so far. That's that's not where those teams are used to being at this point.
2: No, it's certainly a bit surprising. And, uh, you know, at, at this point, it's it's really tough to foresee how that conference is going to shake out. I think it's it's going to be a lot of teams kind of beating up on each other, um, as it typically is. And, you know, a, as you mentioned, because of this this stretch to start the season, that this these struggles, I mean, it's something that, you know, come tournament time, it could very well impact how many bids they get you know, going into the the, the field of 64. So uh, it's it's definitely uh, my fingers hovering over the panic button um, as far as the Titans go and as far as these big West teams go. Um, We'll see what happens going forward. I I do think Cal State Fullerton does have the talent on the mound to be able to piece this together, but obviously we have to start seeing it. Um, It hasn't been a good start so far. There's no question about that.
1: You know, and like we did uh, with with North Carolina, we do have to give credit to Houston here as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's a that's not an easy trip. You know, they're they're going out, they're playing at Fullerton. That's a tough place to play. They come out of it with a couple wins after losing a really tough game on Friday night. Trey Cumby pitched really well, gets a no decision. Um, you know, but this is a this is a Houston team that that we like a lot. Um, you know, that's kind of on the edge of the top twenty five, just like East Carolina, uh, the American looks really tough when you consider Central Florida and Connecticut are already in the 25 and we're talking about East Carolina and Houston and um, you know in another week um, either one or both of them could be in the top 25 it's a big week coming up for Houston at the Shriners College Classic Um, you know they can really make a statement they're playing three SEC teams there East Carolina like we already mentioned has a a, a strong weekend ahead of it as well Um, and this weekend in general looking ahead a little bit now um it looks it, you know week three is a a really strong week in college baseball typically uh because it's um you know after this week most conferences still have a week to go before conference play starts so it's kind of a week where you can load up with a, a tough non-conference series and then still have a weekend to to regroup before you start conference play and uh you know that means we've got clemson south carolina this weekend We've got the, the Shriners College Classic, which is uh, another strong field. We've got the Dairy Queen Classic up in Minneapolis, which is a Big Ten, Pac-12 challenge. Kind of a fun deal there. Um, you know, Long Beach and Ole Miss, like I mentioned. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good group. Uh, Mike, I know you're excited for, for Clemson, South Carolina. And Clemson had a really nice weekend this weekend uh, sweeping Dallas Baptist.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a series win that's going to look good later on this year because DBU is a is a team that we have a lot of respect for. A team that the, the last few years, I mean, under Dan Heefner has has really flourished and produced some great prospects as well from a draft perspective. Um, I'm looking at you, Chance Adams with the Yankees, um, but it's all over the place. Yeah. Their relievers are incredible. Yeah, they yeah no they they've their arms. I mean they they have arms for days. But in any event, yes, uh, this weekend was a big sweep for Clemson. They're coming in hot, and South Carolina's gotten off to a very good start as well uh, under Mark Kingston, their new head coach. Obviously as, as South Carolina and Clemson fans know, uh, the weekend, uh, the rivalry weekend is a little bit different. The atmosphere is different, the feeling is different, the stakes feel different. It's just an all-around, it feels like a playoff series in March. So I'm excited for it, I've been going to it every year for the last few years now. Um, it's always a fun time, always entertaining games. Um, generally you know marathon games games that drag out for a little, for a little while but um, you know certainly you know the fact that they play it at three different venues um, you know a home and home and then a, a, a neutral site at uh, the, the home for Greenville the Red Sox uh, minor league affiliate um, it should be a lot of fun I'm looking forward to it and I know uh, you're traveling as well this weekend to a, an exciting field
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, briefly mentioned the, the Shriners college classic there. Um, you know, going back to, to Minute Maid park in Houston, and, and this year we got, uh, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mississippi state, Houston, Sam Houston, and Louisiana Lafayette all coming in. And, uh, so four of those teams were super regional teams last year. Um, and, uh, it's going to be a, a really strong group, I think. And, uh, you know, kind of a fun format. You got three SEC teams playing three um, mid-major programs. I hate to call Houston a mid-major, um, but for lack of a better word, three non-Power 5 programs, I guess that's, uh, I, I guess, the best term for it. But it, it's going to be a good weekend. I think there's going to be a lot of pitching down there, um, you know, and I'm going to look forward to, to seeing some some pretty quality teams there. Uh, always, always good baseball at, at that tournament. Mike, I, I also want to mention here, going circling back to to the weekend that was, there were six no hitters
2: this weekend, yeah, which is crazy. Mm. A lot of no hitters, not a lot of hits.
1: Yeah, and um, Joe Demers from Washington, you mentioned him throwing the perfect game. We got five other no hitters, so we got no hitters at um, Stetson, Hofstra, Jacksonville State, McNeese State, and North Dakota State. Um, so congratulations to, to everyone there. Um, I, I can't, you know, I can't imagine another weekend of six no hitters. Uh, maybe it's happened at some point in, in the history of NCAA baseball, but
2: I don't want to be the guy that looks through all the box scores. You know,
1: <laughs> I most years there are only there aren't that many more than six no hitters. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say yeah. it's never happened before. Um, so that that was that was pretty cool this weekend to to see all the, the no hitters piling up. Any, any other takeaways uh, from this weekend for you, Mike?
2: You know, I think I think we hit everything that, that I want to discuss. You know, I, I think at, at this point, you know, uh, a lot of people have reached out about our rankings on Twitter, about, you know, certain teams, why do you drop them, what, you know, and, and so forth. But uh, for me, I think as we're heading into this weekend, some of these tournaments, some of these bigger matchups, we're going to see a bit more movement in the top 25 Um, You know, the first two weeks, like I said earlier, it's a bit more conservative. You know, it's not necessarily a level playing field either with a lot of teams facing some teams facing weaker competition, some teams scheduling really tough. So I think starting this weekend and going forward and as conference play approaches, this 25 is probably going to change a lot, you know, depending on how these matchups shake out.
1: And we're going to look forward to to seeing more college baseball this weekend. and learning more about these teams. I, I think that you know, coming out of a rivalry series like Clemson, South Carolina, coming out of a tournament like like the Houston tournament or, or like the Dairy Queen tournament or, or like the Frisco tournament, you, you learn more about a lot of these teams. They play better competition, they get out on the road. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing where that uh, leads us next week, when we will be back to talk more about the, the top 25. But we're not done here yet today. <gasps> We have the homecoming segment coming up, uh, and that will be with co- former Coastal Carolina pitcher Mike Morrison, who you might remember from uh, such movies as Coastal Carolina's uh, National Championship. Uh, he was the closer on that team, and now he pitches in the White Sox system. So Mike's going to come on and talk a little bit about Coastal, who's off to a, a very nice start of their own this season. They're 7-2, and two, and the shots are, uh they're playing well, and uh, so we're going to get Mike's take on them. and. And his remembrances of the uh, the national championship run uh, just two years ago. Joining me today on the homecoming segment of the Baseball America College Podcast is former Coastal Carolina right-hander Mike Morrison, who now pitches in the White Sox organization. Uh, Mike was a part of the Coastal team that uh, memorably won the College World Series a couple years ago, and his. Uh, Moved on to pro ball where he's having a, a nice career as a reliever. Got up to uh, high class A last year uh, with the White Sox. So, Mike, thank you uh, so much for joining us today.
0: Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate y'all having me. Uh, I love everything y'all do. So, very interested to be on here and glad to talk with you.
1: Awesome. Well, Coastal this season, um, It's uh, they've, they've gone off to a nice start here in the, the first couple weeks. Uh, you know how much have you been able to uh to pay attention to what the shots are doing and and what do you think of them so far I I guess they're uh they're off to a seven and two start here
0: oh yeah probably should be I mean I would say 9-0 they they played really bad in those two games I don't think they've actually lost the game they pretty much beat themselves there but yeah I mean like like I talked about whenever I was there you we built relationships there with those coaches man I'm still on the phone with Gilly once a week and coach Kevin Shaw and I talked to Coach Thomas, the pitching coach there, for about an hour and a half today. So, they're, I mean, they're young. They got, I mean, a lot of really good freshman arms down there. And they got the Jason Billis kids who, I mean, he's top-five round guy, I mean, up, up, upper 90s righty. and I mean, they, they got a chance to be really good, just build some experience early. And, I mean, I thought they would, if anything, get off to a slow start and kind of grow. But they've been – the older guys have been rallying them early. And they got two bullpen freshman arms, man, that I'm – they, I wouldn't got innings if they were there when I was there. So, it's very it's very interesting to see. and I mean, they do a great job recruiting. They're, I mean, I've been watching on the stream, all of us. We have a group text from our team. We were there open the weekend, and we've been group texting ever since. Heck, Gilly's letting them play a little bit. He ain't been playing as much small ball down there. It's starting to get us a little upset watching on, on TV. We see a guy at third with less than two outs. and He's not safety squeezing every time. We're like, what the heck is he doing? But, no, it's it's exciting man they they got a chance to be pretty good um transition from the sun belt last year was a little tough on them but i think they'll have a better chance this year with travel and all that stuff they just weren't really used to that last year that kind of they laid a couple of eggs last year i think There's a lot to do with that but you know gilly he'll have them ready and they'll compete if anything we'll see what happens but i mean college basically you gotta get pretty lucky at some point so
1: sure sure absolutely I was down there on opening weekend as well. And, you know, I was pretty impressed with uh, with how the pitching staff looked out of the gate. I mean, it, it looks different now. I mean, uh, you know, most of the, the core from that 16 team has moved on obviously Beckwith and, and Cunningham last year and um, you know, you the year before. Um, so it looks a little different now, but like you mentioned, the, those young freshman arms uh, McCambly and, and PV house are, are really coming on strong. And, uh, Billis and Hopek kind of at the front of that rotation. I mean, it. I. It, it seems oh like. Oh, I don't want to say more talented, but um, you know, maybe it is oh, a little you, toolsier you than.
0: Uh, <laughs> Heck, hey, you can say that, I man. We were, we were. You remember, we were five deep when we were. I mean, not to be disrespectful, we only used five guys when we were there in Omaha and stuff, and most of the postseason. I mean, Coach Thomas is running out lefty after lefty that are upper eighties. One of them's low nineties. I keep calling them. I can't keep up with who's who because they all look like they have the same stuff. But, I mean, good arm size fastball and a good breaking ball off of it. And I'm just, they brought in the kids' first outing yesterday, and he was, I mean, 87, 89. Left. We would have, I mean, you don't know what we would have done to have that when we were, when I was there. But, I mean, they got, I think they they really did bring in a really good class. And Veneziano, too, is very good on the lefty starter. I think he's been on Sundays right now. He's good, too. And, the PB House and McCainley kids, I don't know how they got I mean, how those guys didn't get drafted in the higher rounds. I guess they must have really grown up this fall, but heck, if I was a scout and I saw those guys in high school, I probably would have given them a chance to those breaking ball off this kid's hat. But I don't know, it's exciting to watch. And he's got a lot of weapons down there. He can mix and match. And I know Gilly likes to play matches a lot, so it's very it's exciting as anything. So <laughs> and no Bobby Holmes this year either. He's having time to job.
1: Or Austin I'm Kitchen back.
0: Yeah, kitchens too. ACL injury, freak accident in the in the weight room, unbelievable. Golly, but I mean, stuff happens. a kid worse his butt off, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it's good too because they're all so young. They have to feed off each other and work together. I mean, you see one of your freshman buddies succeed, you're like, oh heck, if he can do it, I can go out there and do it. And they're all chomped at the bit to get out there. They seem, I mean, I've, I, have, I mean, I have pretty good relationships with a couple of them. And, they seem like they're just scrappy, just grateful to be there, and they they really give give a lot, and very grateful to be in the program. That's that's hard to find these days in college baseball. You get a lot of guys that are a little too grateful to be there, and they don't they don't continue to work their butts off when they get there. These kids are scrapping and chomping at the bit to be the next team there, so they they're real exciting to watch.
1: I mean, that's kind of the coastal way, right? That That's kind of the – That's
0: what I'm saying, yeah. That's why it's just still sometimes you – now that you – we kind of pay bill it to a decent little power and people know who they are, it – I mean, you get some higher-class recruits who don't really come in and scrap and work their butts off. So we got some kids that are some pretty good players now that are still working their butts off. So the sky's the limit for those guys. So it's definitely the coastal way of getting there. Not like me and I I was terrible high school baseball player. Turned into a pretty good player there, so –
1: yeah, I mean just what about that development that that you went through uh under under Drew Thomas? I you were a walk on. You wind up um you know, obviously developing like like you said, into a pretty good college baseball player and, and winning a national title and getting a shot to go play Pro Ball. What um what kind of things did, did you learn, did you pick up from, from Coach Thomas?
0: Oh man, it's just the scrappy mentality just, I mean, being grateful and just lucky to be there every day, really. I mean, you can really do a lot with that. I mean, just being in the weight room, first guy at the field. and I mean, a lot of things too is it's, I'm a big believer in like the game. If you give back to the game, the game's going to reward you. And I feel like I gave back to the game really well. My first couple of years there, even when I struggled, really supportive of my teammates, always helped the first when they got there and stuff like that. And kept working hard and kept working hard. And I just, big believer in you do the right things, the game will reward you. And I, got rewarded pretty big there in an incredible season and won the dang national championship still can't believe it even when you say that it's crazy <laughs> but yeah i mean it's just big with that that's a big thing we believe in down there too i mean it's all that i mean you respect the game heck kevin woodall actually you know he is a big cleanup hitter we yeah, have big old six six mobster he hit a home run friday night in a four to four game and came around third and kind of walked halfway to first when he hit it came around third and was shushed the crowd a little bit and, I think he went over for the rest of the weekend so I told him I think like, the game don't like stuff like that <laughs> You <won. laughs> it'll come back and get you yeah and so I mean it's just small things like that you just learn it's not just baseball it's just everyday life things and I mean it's just he, he's a guru he's I was down there throwing a bullpen last opening weekend I threw on Monday morning I want to say yeah and he was doing some drill with holding a football in the left hand and throwing, I don't know but and it got me straightened back up and it worked perfectly so the guy keeps researching, and even Schnall too. They always find something new to do. It can really find things that work special for different players. So I love those guys. I, heck, I would love to work alongside them one day if the career doesn't work out. Or I mean, just very interesting. But you see how much they love it, man. That's that's the crazy part about it. It's just they. I mean, the energy they bring every day, and just how much they care for the kid. I didn't think T could ever replace the group that we had. And I walked down there and I see all these fresh. I'm like, all right, you did it. You got all these <laughs> nice new perfect kids. heck? Like, I thought we were special, but I think I like these kids better than I like my own teammates. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it really is incredible the way that they recruit there. I mean, it's a really special staff. Obviously, it starts with Gilly. Uh, you know, what kind of tone does he set uh, for, for that whole team?
0: Oh man, it's just a grinder mentality. I mean, no matter he's going to bring in a certain amount of guys, and heck, if you're on a hundred percent scholarship or seventy percent, or I mean, you know, college baseball there's a lot of walk on guys that have to contribute and low scholarship guys. All that's thrown out the door when you get there, and the best players are gonna play. And it. I mean, we had when we won, we had two, I think, two full scholarship kids that didn't even step on the field in a while. So I mean, it's just a matter of playing the best players and doing the right things. And I mean, if you're a parent out there and you're sending your kid to college, I think that's the way I'd want my kid to do it. I don't want nothing handed to him you know. I want my <laughs> I want my kid to have to go earn something. I think that's what makes you a really good player. I mean, you know Gilly, I mean, y'all you know, seen his interviews and stuff. I don't know, he's getting a little soft on us late in his career. He's getting a little too nice. But <laughs> he's going to get the best out of you every single day, no matter what it is, whether it's watching video or I mean, anything you do. He's going to make sure you're tuned in and locked in, and he's going to get you. So it's it's he's, he's a special old man. I'm very, very proud to have him in my life. So.
1: He's a rock star, no doubt.
0: Oh man, a Oh God, y'all even. I mean, you see a very toned down. It's more so than that tunnel. If you could see him in that tunnel, that's even crazier. Oh yeah. <laughs> nah, he's much better now. I actually get, I get a little bad at him now. He's getting a little soft on us his old age. I'm like, hey man, turn it back up. What are you doing? There's a couple. There's a lot of, a lot of personalities on the coaching staff. You got to be the way you are to make everything work here. So, tone it up, start yeah. But now nah, he's doing great. He's, he's come to um a lot of changes in his life and he's. He's mature, not maturing. I mean, obviously he's an elder and a very great guy, but he's he's learning a lot from everything he's gone through in his life, and it's it's really cool to see the transformation he's made as a, as a man. And I, I look at it, if I could be half the man as that guy one day, I'm going to be very lucky. <laughs> to tell you what, <laughs>
1: he's uh, he's had an incredible career, and I, he's a he's a great person as well. Um, oh yeah. You know, when when you think back to Omaha, um, you know I. Obviously, your your start in the finals was incredible. Um, I guess that was your third career start, and through like six scoreless innings or something like that. I, I should have the numbers in front of me. Um, but you, uh, you know, what, what do you think about when when you think about that that World Series experience?
0: Oh, I mean, it's. I was in there watching it last year with um, Dane Dunning, who went to Florida. I mean, I mean you're a junkie, you know. But he went to Florida and they were watching Florida last year and we were just in the locker rooms in the minor leagues just giggling on how much fun it is. You just feel like I mean, I'm a huge Laker fan, I right? I felt like that was Kobe Bryant down there. Cameras were on you, you get interviewed every game, I are trying to be as cool as possible, not below it, be giggling like a little kid, but you gotta just enjoy it and it's I mean, it's definitely a place that I mean I'll I'll never experience anything like that ever again. I actually just proposed to my girlfriend and I was telling her kiddingly, obviously, but I'll be, yeah, honey, this is the second best day of my life, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> given the first was down there, obviously, but no, nah. I mean, it's, it's something that you ask anyone who's been there, and even people who don't win it, I mean, it's just, even just getting to the place of going to Omaha, it's just something that you'll never forget forever, and it's, it was crazy, and I, i miss it more than anything, I wish I was still, still down there at Coastal, but you gotta grow up and move on, and but it, it was, yeah. I mean, I, I, get, I get off. I just get jittery even thinking about it, man. It's just a special, special thing, man. I don't think I'll ever experience anything like it again.
1: That's that's awesome. When you you mentioned that, that you have a group text with uh, with your former teammates, how much how much do you guys talk still and, and and reminisce, or do you ever reminisce?
0: Oh man, I mean, every, I mean, it's just all comparable. Like even this year with Seth Lancaster and Kevin Wood, all we compare those guys to. I mean. Connor Owings and Zach Remillard. If you can get, like, we kind of, not that we had the mold, but if they can follow somewhat of the mold of what we did, I mean, being able to bunt, move the baseball, getting runners in with less than two outs of third, that was something that, I mean, as a pitcher, I didn't really, I obviously didn't do anything to help with that, but it was just an art to watch those guys execute at the plate with less than two outs of the guy up there. And that's something they've been struggling with a little bit lately, so we've been like, lighten up the group text a little bit about that so <laughs> but just small things like that i mean but they're just so young and i mean the older guys know what they're doing the cam pierce's keith rivers kevin woodall i mean seth lancaster and i mean gilly's got a couple more coastal molded young freshmen in there that's just still in and i mean they lost billy cook last year and we got a freshman center fielder Hank if you didn't pay attention you would think he was billy cook so it's he it's I mean, that's the thing. I just told you, I'm getting married. I, I don't know if I can fit. I can have 27 groomsmen. That's my biggest <laughs> problem here. Is like, I can't really narrow it down. My is lighting me up, but <laughs> I don't really. I mean, you know, they're just it's a bond that I'll never lose, and I'm just super grateful and. Yeah, and Tyler Chadwick's the worst one about it, man, because he coaches football down there now. Right. And he, lights, and he goes every game and watches on video. He's still pretty close with the team and stuff because he's there every day right across the street. He lights up the group text about it. Oh, he gets so fired up. He was he was the fire one of all of us when we were there. Oh, he lights it up. It's one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> he'll give up. The kid will go for four. He'll give up on him for the whole year. He'll go three for four the next day. But this guy's the best player of all time, man. I'm telling you, he's the funniest thing <laughs> ever. But uh, it's it's awesome, and I mean, it's just very very exciting. And actually, I can throw a little shout out here. One of our our short our second baseman played right field for us, Connor Owings. I mean, he won't play the Year in the Big South. He's actually having a kidney transplant this week on Wednesday down in Charleston. He because he's the one with the heart colonic, the kidney failure. He's in stage four kidney failure. He's having a transplant from his mom. So if anyone listens to this, just keep him in your prayers. He's not my best friend in the world, and I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit, but he's going to be fine. He's tough as nails, but just something to keep in everyone's prayers who are watching this and, and listening to this, and just thank you for that. And we're all a little worried
1: about him, So Now, his uh, his story that year was, I mean, just in general in his career, was incredible. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely uh, going to be be hoping uh, that, that he comes through that, that procedure uh, all good.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, man. That really means a lot. We're all – gonna try to go down there and see him and stuff but i mean if you know anything about connor you don't want anybody worrying about him he's gonna be fine she got the bit to get back in the cage and start hitting a little bit and i was like yeah you gotta rest man you gotta rest you're gonna be fine i think we're a little more worried than him he's as tough as never his mom's a saint so she's gonna she's doing everything right and everything should should go well and we'll just keep hoping for the best and i really appreciate that thank you oh no doubt um
1: you know, the, one of the other things that I think about with that sixteen World Series is the, the throw Anthony Marks made from the corner. So you're sitting in the dugout. What, what are you thinking when when you see that ball in game three, you know, the end of the game go go down and, and, and Marks go over to the left field corner to go get it?
0: Oh man, I was about to have a heart attack anyways, but I every day we do when we do in and out we do it before BP, before the other team gets there. And Matt Schilling, our I mean, volunteer guy at Coastal, he works his blood off great coach but he makes them do that every day and I listen to Mark's bicker about that for four straight years like, Hey man why do I got to run out there and throw a ball against the fence and go pick it up and throw it in and I'm sitting there like and I always have March's back I got to make sure he's calmed down cause, you know he's a little wild and I'm like Skitty just you got March, you got to just do it man you got to do it it's fine I'm like too stupid man and sure enough he went he went back there and same ball he threw it right off the fence Every day where he had to pick it up in that game, and I, I mean, he threw it in, and I looked at Shill, and I was like, oh my God, we work on that, don't we? And he was, I mean, Shill was still cold-blooded because we're still one out away from winning the national championship. But I, looking back on it, where he was, coach was to think about that. Yeah, made y'all do that every day, man, I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> I and mean, we're, we're like, yeah, well, you got us. We'll do it. And, uh, and every time we're there packing out and they're throwing the ball, the fence, we, start, I mean, we, just, we giggle. We're like, yep, yeah, got to work on that. You never know where you're going to need that one. But <laughs> It's like drawing up an inbound play in basketball. You think you don't use it all year. Then you use it with two seconds left. And, I mean, it's something that saves the season. So, and you know, Marks, he wasn't going to – I mean, he was going to do whatever. He went straight bare hand, threw a blind rocket to Pius and – kind of wish that guy would have went though because if I was throwing him out there would have been a lot less stress we wouldn't have to deal with that last batter <laughs> oh, going
1: oh, it was it was an incredible play and I remember um I'm almost positive it was you in in a press conference there talking about the, the first time you, you remember seeing Anthony Marks and, and he was in the batting cage and um, he was wearing jorts as I recall is, oh, is, is that right
0: oh the basketball jersey and jean shorts just living it up. We're like, oh, God, Gilly, what you? and we didn't know Gilly, but then we're all still scared. We're like, the heck is this kid? They just let people come hit in the facility randomly, just <laughs> random students are in the hip facility. But then, sure enough, we had a conversation with him, and he just fall in love with the kid and meet his family, and, and he recently lost his father, too, so I put that in his our prayers, too, and he's doing good, but his dad was a saint, and old Kenny. We love him and miss him, so. But Anthony's doing good. He's they're all – it's hard to keep up with all of them. Macy's about to leave for spring training, too. him. he's an absolute gooseball, too. So, I just I love those guys. <laughs> I feel like if I don't mention one of them and leave one out. They're going to kill me. <laughs> 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 oh, man. But, no, Anthony is just one of the best kids I've ever met. He's, he's an automatic lock to be in a groomed man at my wedding. Can't wait. But, no, I remember Jay Johnson said something after the game, too. He called Mark something. Little squirrel or something. I was like, ah, still have nightmares about that kid running down there and blah blah blah. That's one of the funniest comments ever. Yeah, it Honestly, was. It was just you an incredible
1: that? series you guys played.
0: Oh yeah, Well, they're a heck of a team too. I remember I had uh, to the pitching Their pitching coach Sergio, I think, had my pitches at first. That was one of the. I still look back on that on the video. I mean, those. Oh, that was crazy because I never. It come out the bullpen. You don't start. You don't have to worry about stuff like that. He was calling them out all uh, the whole first inning. I was getting lit up. I'm like, "What the heck's going on?" <laughs> but then we finally got on to it. And stuff, they do a great job down there.
1: Absolutely, wow. Mike. Uh, before I before I get you out of here, uh, do you have a prediction for the rest of the season for for Coastal Steam?
0: Oh, for the Shawnee? so they got two losses, so I'll probably end up fifty-four and two. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they should. I mean. This is the hard part. I mean, not the hard part of the schedule, but, I mean, this is a very, very... The gauntlet, we always call it down there. Probably play four on the weekend, but the midweek. And, you know, Gilly always loads up the midweek, so... I mean, and I feel like he complains
1: this, every year that you play, like, 19 games in 24 days or whatever and then just schedules it the same way the next year.
0: Oh, for the next 50 years. You, I mean, it's all part of it. you got to set it up. And if you do good, you're a genius. And if you struggle, you can cover your butt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you know, I mean, I remember, too, like, the experience of those games, Being even when you get a kid with tired arm, like with the TV house and the game kids, if they say they throw on Friday and they have to come back Sunday or come back, and, you know, throw three times in a week. That's experience that's going to help them when they get into conference play and stuff like that. It's not like you're playing three cupcakes and then a cupcake midweek. Like I mean, obviously some of those schools, the SEC schools and stuff, have to play those teams because their conference is so hard and you got to collect a win. But, I mean, it's it's definitely something good to help mature and you see a lot of different arms. You get a lot at bats. You kind of figure everything out early. So I think that really well that aspect of it where you can still get a kid three starts in a week and there's – five or six games so you can get other kids' starts and take like as far as position players and get at-bats. But, yeah, they should be good. I, I don't know if it's but I know South Alabama has that one kid who's just superstar, first-round kid, right?
1: Looking
0: yeah, Travis up. Swaggerty. Yeah, Swaggerty. He's a superstar. So, I mean, we need to go ahead and get the report in that we can, you can go 0 for 0 with about nine walks against us, and that'll be fine. We just can't let, never let their best player beat us. That's the old motto. But, um, now they should be good. I hope that they can win their first Sun Belt title and then see what happens. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. I don't think the regular season is more for gaining experience and just seeing where you're at and, heck, where you play really I mean, matters to an extent. But if you can go on the road and win it, then we've proven that down there. So, as long as they get in the dance, hopefully, we can, they'll have a chance to make a run. I know the confidence will be there with those older guys, been there and done that type of thing. And, Young kids will be too stupid to know what's going on, anyways. So. <laughs> but yeah, they should be good. I mean, hopefully, can win the regular season and then, I mean, not lay an egg like they did last year. But in the conference tournament, but they should be fine. You know, Gilly, I'm ready, and T and Schnall are on the same page. I'm excited.
1: I really appreciate you coming on uh, to to join us here on the the Baseball America College Podcast, Mike.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Anytime. Thank you for having
1: me. All right. That'll do it for us today. Thank you again to Mike Morrison for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Um, we've got a different Mike. Different Mike. Mike Lanana here. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at MLanana. I'm at Ted Cahill. Uh, we'll be posting more content there and over at baseballamerica.com all week uh, through the weekend. And then next week, you can find a new top 25 and you'll have something new to yell at us about or. We'll have a new agree fan base, I, I suppose. Bring it on. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, always enjoy the, uh, the back and forth here in the early season as, uh, as we get going here. Um, and thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America College podcast. Our college podcasts are sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ helps health-conscious people get lower rates on their life insurance. Visit healthiq.com slash BA to see if you qualify.
0: This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.